Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Um, I know the last couple episodes have been a little bit on the longer side, so today we're going to keep things a little shorter. Before we start today's topic, I just have something a little fun I wanted to share. Um, So back in episode 37 about hobbies, I know I mentioned that I'm personally a fan of hobbies that occupy both your brain and your hands and bonus points if there's a useful or aesthetically pleasing product at the end. I do really like sewing, but I've kind of gone off it as a hobby because it's just pretty solitary. You need a lot of space, you need a clean, flat surface for all your measuring and cutting, and obviously space for the sewing machine, and it's noisy. It's just not really something that you can do while you're hanging out with your family. My mom is an expert knitter, and I've learned and forgotten how to knit many times over the years, so I thought some basic supplies and a knitting lesson would be a great Christmas present for me this year, and it was. She was in town over the holidays and I got my lesson and ever since then I am somewhat obsessed. Okay, not somewhat obsessed, a lot obsessed. I've been knitting almost constantly since I learned how. I'm still doing pretty simple patterns since I'm just a beginner, but I'm turning out some really nice things. I definitely did not have a good concept before this that it's pretty enjoyable. When I compare it to something like running, which I also really enjoy, Well, while I'm running, I definitely do a lot of consuming, like podcasts, audiobooks, things like that, but I'm not creating anything. And for me, running is a solitary activity. My pace is way too slow for me to run with other people. And besides, I can't talk when I'm running. So it's a great way for my introvert batteries to recharge. I need that solitary time, but I also really like having this new hobby. I just handed out some of my gifts the other day, and so far they seem to be a hit. Okay, but to get into today's topic, I'm putting a twist on the phrase, everything happens for a reason, because I hate that saying, and I flat out reject it. I understand the good intent of it, but I do not agree with it at all. You'll notice that no one ever says everything happens for a reason when someone wins the lottery or when a stranger does a random act of kindness for you. It's always being used to try and sort of justify a terrible event. The idea that if a tornado wiped out a town, it was for a reason, or any kid who got cancer got it for a reason, I find that offensive. It suggests that the universe or whatever deity you believe in, if that's your thing, creates cruel and heartbreaking situations on purpose. So I just have no desire at all to subscribe to that kind of belief. Now, a lot of coaches will try to rephrase this basic idea to how is this happening for me? That's maybe a tiny bit better than everything happens for a reason, but I don't like that either. You're supposed to examine a situation that happened or is happening and figure out what the lesson for you is supposed to be. So the reason I also don't like this one is that it sounds a little like suggesting that you were somehow lacking and this terrible experience is the only way to fix you. So my personal approach is just a little different. I like to think of it as, okay, this thing happened. I don't like it. But if I want to, if I'm up for the challenge, I can try and find a way to leverage some personal growth from it. 
or I might be able to find some tiny nugget of good that came out of it. All of us doctors who have had an experience with being a patient, especially if you had an emergency or a rare or complicated condition, well, we know we can use those experiences to make us better doctors. We can take what might have been a scary or stressful situation, maybe even a traumatic one, and decide to remember what it feels like to be on the patient side and use that to grow our empathy or maybe just be a better listener or have a better understanding what our patients go through. Couple of examples to illustrate this a little more. Many, many years ago, I was passed over for a position that I wanted. And actually saying passed over is a bit generous. I wasn't even considered. Of course, I was disappointed. If I had framed it in my mind under the heading of everything happens for a reason, here's how this might have played out. It might have caused me to think something like, I wasn't chosen because I don't belong in this role, which would have made me feel depressed or rejected. Those emotions typically make me do things like withdraw, stop trying, beat myself up. And of course, the result is that I would be creating a version of myself that definitely did not belong in that role. If I was thinking of it as, how is this happening for me? I might've come up with something like, this is happening to show me how badly I've done managing my career so far, which probably would have made me feel incompetent, which would have sent me spinning into, where did I go wrong? Why didn't I do such and such? Why didn't I utilize my mentors better? Blah, blah, blah just focusing on any evidence I could find for how I had mismanaged my career development. So both of those are pretty victim-y, powerless stories, right? It's totally understandable how we think that way sometimes, but it's also totally unhelpful. Neither of those will position someone to achieve a career goal. Both will leave the person feeling helpless and hopeless. By luck, though, when this happened, I wasn't in either of those mindsets. For whatever reason, my initial thoughts were, huh, I wonder why I wasn't considered. My emotion was curious. I was able to look at what the role required, compare the qualifications that I had versus the person who was selected, and determine exactly what I would need to do in terms of development in order to be comparable. Good use of a comparison, not an odious one. And while I was looking at what the role required, I also realized it really wasn't something I wanted after all. Another good use of the comparison process. So what I walked away with was a better understanding of what kinds of things I did and did not want to achieve in my career and what I would need to do to get closer to those goals that I did have. Now, I can't take any credit for how I arrived in the curious mindset. It was just pure dumb luck because I definitely did not have any knowledge of self-coaching back in those days. But what I had done was look at a situation that happened, acknowledge that I did not like it at all and was pretty unhappy about it, and decide to create something better for myself as a result. I created an opportunity for personal growth. Much better than feeling helpless or hopeless, right? And here's an example of the other version the finding a nugget of good version. In the Fighting Reality episode, I talked about how my dad died suddenly, ostensibly in excellent health at the time. 
He was very physically active and regularly engaged in things that a lot of people half his age couldn't do. He was fine, and then he was gone. Here's the nugget of good. He never had to go through a long or painful illness. He never had to watch his abilities diminish. He never had to go through the role reversal that aging parents often do. And I am pretty sure he would have hated all of those things. Pointing out something like this to myself does not mean I'm trying to devalue his death or say it was okay that it happened, and definitely not that it happened for this reason. It just means I'm saying, this happened. It was awful. I don't like it. But I'm choosing to examine this to find just one tiny part of it that's good. Now, a quick note on this, grief is a very personal experience. Everyone handles it differently in their own way and at their own pace. I don't think that making a suggestion like this to someone who is grieving is generally going to be helpful to them. In a grieving situation, it's probably best for someone to arrive at that place all on their own. Bringing this back to the workplace, these mindsets can be very helpful when dealing with adverse situations, as we all do. But it's really important to be careful not to use the tools in the wrong way. The goal of changing your thinking in any sort of scenario is always about maintaining control, responsibility, and empowerment. It's not to try and be happy all the time or feel great all the time. There's a skill to knowing the difference between when you're creating a thought to try and move yourself out of helplessness and into control and capability versus trying to stuff down a negative emotion instead of allowing it to happen. So in our first example, where I wasn't even considered for the role, if I had been feeling depressed about it and then tried to sell myself a, but at least blah, blah, blah story, well, you can hear that, right? I would be trying to run away. Again, in this particular case, for reasons that are totally unclear to me, I just happened to be feeling curious rather than even sad. If I had been sad, the best thing to do would just be sad for a while. Not try to wallow in it, of course, but just let it be. Sad is a pretty clean emotion. It tends to move through you, and then when you're ready, you can dust yourself off and think, okay, now let's see if there's a nugget of good in here, or let's see if I can find a way to use this to make myself better. And once again, I'm just going to point out that in my own personal worldview, I reject the idea that this happened because the universe was trying to tell me I needed to change. It happened. I'm a smart and determined person, so I chose to create growth for myself. So just like sad is a clean emotion, there are others that can come up in situations like these that are not so clean. Things like jealousy, feeling cheated, disrespected, disregarded. Those types of emotions tend to fester and grow unless you deal with them. They don't position you to learn or to grow as a person. They position you to become a worse version of yourself. Now, it's completely normal to have these feelings from time to time, but probably not all the time. If you're regularly stuck in emotions like these, you're going to be pretty close to the bottom of your spiral staircase of wellness and feeling like there's no way up. If we can learn to watch for these situations, we can start moving out of helplessness and into empowerment, at least some of the time. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times when I have a giant pity party for myself. 
it's just nice to know that there are other options available. All right, I said today was going to be short, so that's it for now. Thanks for joining me, and I will see you back next time. Any opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.